Good morning, Supers. How are you doing today? I hope you're having a wonderful morning. Uh, we have a couple of articles to go through today, as well as a question that I got a little while ago, but haven't gotten around to answering. So I'll answer that question uh, at the at the end of the entrepreneurs, which is what you're watching or listening to. If you're watching live, I appreciate you. Drop a comment in the chat where you're listening from. Love to hear where you're at right now. Uh, today we have uh, three stories. Evergrande misses third round of bond coupon payments. Uh, the chip crisis is helping automakers and dealers do something they've wanted to do for years. And it's not sustainable. What America's port crisis looks like up close. The first Evergrande misses third round of bond, uh, bond coupon payments, intensifying contagion fears. Some bondholders said they did not receive their coupon payments, totaling $148 million on Evergrande's April 2022, April 2023, and April 2024 notes. Uh, let's see. China Evergrande Group. On Tuesday, missed its third round of bond payments in three weeks, intensifying market fears over contagion involving other property developers as well as as a wall of debt payment obligations come due in the near term. Some bondholders said they did not receive coupon payments totaling $148 million. Uh, as of Tuesday, following the other two payments that were missed in September, that puts investors at risk of large losses at the end of the 30-day grace period uh, as the developer wrestles with more than $300 billion in liabilities. Evergrande did not uh, immediately respond to a request for comment. A total of $101.2 billion bonds issued by by Chinese developers uh, will be due in the next year. Uh, we see more defaults ahead, and if liquidity, like if liquidity problem does not improve markedly, uh, trading of, of the high yield bonds remains soft on Tuesday following a route of previous session on fears about fast spreading contagion in the five do- uh, five trillion dollar sector which accounts for a quarter of the Chinese economy and often a major factor in policymaking. The Shanghai Stock Exchange data showed the top five losers among exchange-traded bonds in the morning deals were all issued by property firms. Uh, And then it goes on to talk about others... um, others. I'll link the, uh, the full article down below in the... Uh, in the description, but yeah, uh, so it, it just continues. I, I kind of have the feeling that come, uh, I don't know, 30 days from now, we might all be sitting around saying, you know, Evergrande might be a really big story all of a sudden again, um, as people seem to not be paying as closely attention or think that, yeah, you know, if things won't get that bad. It'll, it'll subside. Uh, I kind of think that that might not be the case. We we might be in it uh, for for a, a, a potential problem here if uh, things don't start to, to turn around. And by having no 
uh, comment from the company is not helpful at all. As we've talked about on the entrepreneurs in the past, any uh, communication between the company and your customers and or like, I don't know, a quarter of uh, China's economy riding on on what you guys are doing is super crucial, uh, crucial, crucial for people to feel confident and uh, and believe that there is a future where they're at. I mean, when they're if uh, if their real estate market starts to crumble, uh, everything else is you know will start to go around it, and that's going to affect manufacturing and stuff like that. So. Uh, it's it, it's gonna ha- it could have a very big ripple effect uh, on on everyone you know everyone from the small business owner here in America to the small business owner in Europe you know it's it the ripple effect of China not making its debt uh, or or in this case Evergrande Group uh, not making its debt clear uh, is is. It has some pretty big potential ramifications. So we're hoping. I'm hopeful. Uh, I will stay stay uh, following the Evergrande story uh, as as we go forward here. And uh, I appreciate you all watching and following along with me. Good morning, Super Denny, Grand Rising, Super Joe. How you feeling this morning? I am feeling. I'm feeling great. I'm I'm excited. Uh, I got a couple great articles here today. We had a great weekend with uh, Shark Tank, uh, you know, going going live on its season premiere. Uh, I have I've been in contact with three of the four business owners uh, that were featured on Shark Tank. So hopefully we'll be doing a uh, doing some interviews here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that, having those conversations and and you know getting some background story on what you know what happened and. Uh, and and how how they're dealing with it, you know, with it going, everything going forward. So I'm looking forward uh, to all that. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Ding ding. That yes, we. Uh, it's it's gonna be great. How I hope you're feeling great today, Super Danny. Uh, it's always a pleasure to see you here in the chat. And thank you for everyone yesterday that showed up uh, when I had to move to 115. Uh, the kids had off uh, for Indigenous people slash Columbus slash Canadian Thanksgiving Day slash Coming Out Day slash. There's a lot of things that happen apparently on uh, October 11th, and uh, it all happens on the same day. So. Uh, you know, thank you for everyone for, for sticking it in, uh, stick, you know, sticking in there with me. Let's, uh, let's move on to the chip crisis is helping automakers and dealers do something they've wanted to do for decades, quit offering incentives and deals. Uh, so basically three bullet points here with few, uh, new vehicles to sell car companies are getting more money for the ones they make a consultant to, told Bloomberg that U S automakers are receiving up to $10,000 more on trucks and SUVs. Ford CEO previously said the pricing power is breath quote unquote breathtaking and changing production strategy. So, uh, I'll, I'll link this down below, but um, effectively, you know, it's it goes back to the basics of supply and demand, right? If if there's a lack of supply and there's still a hot, pretty high demand, pricing will go up to help stave off uh, people, you know, from them to just run out uh, as soon as they come in stock. So, uh, I you know, getting ten thousand dollars more for a truck or a car. 
Uh, I mean, if it's for a business purpose or you really, really, really want or need said car, that's that's awesome for the for the dealership. Uh, awesome for uh, the the automaker. But, uh, you know, it, it helps. It, this is this is uh, between the new cars and the used cars is a large part of why inflation uh, you know, percentages are are so out of whack is because of that new and used car market uh, have absolutely uh, spiked the amount oh, the amount of uh, uh, pr- the amount of pricing for those vehicles because there's only so many of them they're only able to manufacture so many they're only able because of the the, the parts the chips uh, everything you know I. <sighs> If you're in a situation where you like, okay, we can only get so many of said part, and there's a story coming up next that you should totally uh, listen to about the ports and the shipping crisis. Uh, if, if you're in that situation, you know, being able to raise the prices is a luxury, right? Uh, being able to to be able to like, hey, we're not going to have to, you know, we're not going to keep offering incentives, which. I think that there's a there's a market for each of those, right? When we're talking about a, a a pickup truck that could be utilized on a job site, right? That's for business expense. Oh, you know, yeah, adding an extra ten thousand probably not the end of the world to 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 the to the end user, right? Because they need it, they need it to, to to make money. Versus the person who just needs a car so that they could get back and forth to work or taking care of whatever obligations that they have. So, you know. I I I think that this is a short term thing. I don't think that they are going to ultimately be able to get rid of incentives uh, forever uh, because there is competition, and because even if they start to reduce the amount of production, they will run up against their stockholders. Where they're like, "Hey, where's the revenue at? Where you know, where's the revenue coming from?" Now, with that said. The the automakers, I would not put it past them to artificially continue to make less vehicles going forward, so that they could continue. You know, once when the chip crisis is you know starts to subside, the shipping crisis, everything starts to get back to normal, and maybe another six months, probably more like a year to two years. Um, you know, them to sit back and say, well, we can get you know an extra ten thousand for the car. Why not? Let's go. Let's let's just make let's just you know it isn't twenty thousand anymore. It's thirty thousand for for a new car that would used to cost twenty you know twenty thousand or twenty one thousand. So uh, I could totally see there being like uh, you know anti you know uh, was it anti uh, competitive uh, uh, lawsuits, antitrust lawsuits, that kind of thing. It's like hey, you know, you guys are not keeping up your end of the bargain here. It also, the other thing that it could do, though, is it could uh, get people more inclined to pay the prices of electric vehicles. If we start talking about, like, a two, three, maybe four year for this to get, you know, for this to change back over to um, to be, you know, to start to smooth out and, and everything be fine. Um, if, if it were to take that long, I could totally see them being like, well, now we have electric cars and electric cars are more expensive and that's just the way it is. And now we don't have gas. And it, it, so it very much could, uh, be the start of, of the change, you know, the real changeover. Like I know, you know, GM said like, oh, we're going to get, you know, we're gonna have all electric vehicles by 2030. Cool. 
I, I, I find it hard to believe considering that they aren't, don't even have their own battery tech at this point. They're utilizing LG for their battery tech, and, well, that's not going so well. So it's, it's possible uh, that this could just be the start of a higher-priced car industry in general. Um, but they do still have to compete, so I, I don't know. I think it depends on how long the chip shortage lasts and how long supply constraints last. And, and the longer it lasts, the more likely these higher prices uh, for cars are, are likely here to stay for uh, the foreseeable future. I, I kind of hope that it's not. Uh, I, I, I like the idea of com- uh, competition and hopefully not having to go through a bunch of uh, investigations and things of that nature into to them being anti-competitive with each other uh, through uh, manufacturing shortages that aren't really shortages. Finally here, I have a story. Uh, the supply chain crisis... Uh, it, it, what, uh, what America's port crisis looks like up close, uh, it's not sustainable. So to go on to the last story about supply, you know, supply shortages in, uh, there's in this article from the New York times, it talks about, uh, one story where customers are calling up this, uh, the furniture manufacturing company or sell, uh, sale comp. Yeah. Company because they're like, hey, we want to get. Uh, we, I, you know, I put my my order from our recliner in. Is I used to be able to get what took you know what would take thirty days to get uh, the reclining mechanism for like a recliner from out of China is now taking six months to get that that uh, that reclining mechanism. So, well, uh, you pile that on with what's going on down in uh, well, in the article it just talks about Savannah, Georgia. Um, where the the crates the um, the shipping containers are piling up because they they don't have enough people to uh, to take them and they're they're actually getting to a point where they're stacking them five high which actually is a problem apparently for the cranes because it's harder for them I guess to get the leverage to get it up and clear each uh, each of the piles. Uh, and it's it's just an absolute. It's turning into an absolute mess where the people that are running um, the 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 ports are actually actively looking for storage offsite inland, uh, so that they can pile up stuff outside of the ports because the things are just getting piled up and they're not able to get through them fast enough. And uh, and yeah, it also goes in talking about how. Uh, you know, companies like Target and Walmart have chartered their own ships and how like that's not I don't want to say the word fair, but it, it makes it really tough uh, on the small business owners who don't necessarily have access to be able to charter their own ship and, and have stuff come in uh, at, you know, in theory at will. Uh, so it, you're you're waiting on you know with the l- l- labor shortages and things piling up, uh, it just creates a a, r- a really big problem, especially as we get closer to the Christmas season and people wanting to stockpile up, you know, for the uh, the most consumption apparently on the planet, as according to, to the New York Times, uh, happening here in America leading up to Christmas. So. Not uh, not good, and didn't really offer any kind of uh, long term solution other than uh, we we just have to wait it out and and keep you know plugging away until until uh, this becomes not a a catastrophe anymore or a crisis anymore. 
So we'll 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 see we'll see because I mean there's such a, a a backlog of orders out there too from you know overseas that like when these things show you know start showing up and things start to you know because things aren't all the time when we when we have just in time inventory it's like oh we we you know we order uh, just what we need and hopefully it gets here right when we need it so we don't have to store it well the the with everything getting backed up uh, from manufacturing overseas to here, you know, getting onto a, a boat to getting, you know, showing up all at the same time uh, on, on, uh, on the, the, the seas of America or the shores of America, it, it creates a, a, a pretty big uh, problem that they don't have the capability uh, to, cause I guess, cause it's, it's such a rubber banding effect of like, you know, there's a bunch of stuff's coming all at once, and then all of a sudden there's like a a, 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 a shrinkage of stuff showing up, and then all over, all over again, and then back to back to shrinkage. So, uh, creates a lot of issues from a time management perspective, and uh, that's you know one of the reasons I always preach that you know you guys, uh, you guys and gals who are are small business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, you have to be able to do the things that are necessary to make it happen right so if if you weren't able to uh order and and there, you know you or you could order from from overseas and they're like oh hey yeah cool it, it's gonna be you know it, what might have been three months not gonna be six months or maybe eight months uh may, you know maybe it's time that you look for other manufacturing elsewhere maybe in the states and we start manufacturing things here uh but with labor shortages that creates another problem and then the raw material shortage you know uh that we've gone through over the last 18 months has not been great either so it it being if the way i see it is like if you can navigate through this you'll be able to navigate through probably any time uh going forward with your business especially if you're if you're just getting started like this is just you know, the, another major bump in the road. And, uh, you know, just like in 2008, 2009, 2010, 11, 12, uh, just like after September 11th with the travel industry, just like uh, in the 80s with the recession that we went through, um, you know, it's it's just another bump in the road. And we as entrepreneurs have to be uh, problem solvers. And that's that's our that's our number one job. Solve the problems. Figure out the solutions. And, uh, and, and if we, uh, we work together, we, you know, you, you lay on your network, you know, rely on your network there, then, uh, you might be able to get those problems solved. And I, and I hope that you, whatever you're struggling through right now to solve, uh, that you are able to take the time to, to step, step back, slow it down and, uh, and start to, to solve the problems one at a time, because otherwise it's just too big. It's too, becomes a mountain of problems that you have to solve all at once. And you have to be able to step back, strip it down to one problem, one step at a time. And, uh, as my, as my grandfather would say, you know, just keep stroking, keep going every day, uh, you know, solve the next problem, next step, next step, next step. And, uh, you'll get, we'll get through this together. Finally, I have a question here. Uh, what's my experience been like since getting LASIK surgery? Uh, this, this question was asked probably about a month or so ago. I forget who the original question was. You know what? I will. I feel bad. I will see if I can look it up here. Let's see if I can pull it up real quick.
Uh, do, do, do. Here you go. So, uh, Epic Bro, uh, as actually two months ago. Hey, hey, super. How, uh, how as always, I love and uh, I love you and an amazing video. Uh, can you do a story on your LASIK story? Do you see better with LASIK than you do with glasses? Uh, so, for anyone who doesn't know, it's new to the channel. Back in, I guess it was like three months ago or so, June. I think it was June. I went and got LASIK eye surgery, uh, and so I didn't need glasses anymore. I didn't need contacts anymore. It's been a while since I wore contacts. Um, I would mostly wear them for like sports and things like that. But uh, yeah, so it's been it's been a few months. Um, the ups and downs. Uh, the the we'll we'll start with the downs before we get to the ups. So the downs is it is uh, it is uh, scary <laughs> the 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 the, uh, the proposition of putting yourself under like a laser and like people like doing things to your eye and it was it was a it was one of the most terrifying things I've ever had to go through. The good news about that though is it only lasts about forty five seconds per eye or forty seconds an eye, uh, less than a minute per eye. So. For me, I was able to get both eyes done. Um, I got PRK surgery. So instead of like lasering a flap on my eye and pulling it back and then doing the laser, uh, so basically they like cut it, slice the flap, laser it, and then put the flap back down. That's what my, my wife actually had that surgery done, the, the normal LASIK done. I had PRK because of the shape of my eye. They actually had to just laser the entirety of my eye and basically smooth it down uh, to, to be able to, for it to heal and, and reshape itself. The laser is not a laser. It doesn't go like there is a smell, but that's not your eye. Uh, the, the laser is actually breaking the bonds of the chemicals that, that are, I guess, make up your eye. Uh, and so that they can reheal, uh, in a, in a way that enables you to be able to see better. So when I, when I got the surgery, I initially was prepared to not be able to see at all, um, the first day I was able to see pretty good. Second day I was a little worse then a little worse on the third and a little worse on the fourth. Uh, I think by the fifth or sixth day, my eyesight started to get better. So what I thought was like, I wouldn't be able to like read anything. I wouldn't be able to, you know, watch TV or basically see anything. Um, when I got home, I, I basically just went to sleep for a few hours, um, woke up and I was mostly fine. Uh, I think there was only like one short period of time where my eyes were actually itchy uh, that I could feel through um, when I got the when I initially got the surgery done. But yeah, uh, so once that part was done, I had to go back to the doctor. I think uh, the next morning after the surgery, and then like five days later, four days later. And, or three days later, and then five days later, and then a week later, and then two weeks later, and then a month later, or and then two months later. So it's I've been back to the doctor quite a few times. Um, by day by day seven, my eyes were were pretty good, but I could tell you like it was hard to focus my eyes when I was especially when I was trying to read uh, like my phone. Uh, I had to do like like one of these, like pull it away and and bring it closer to my eyes to get my eyes focused, and that was uh, not. It wasn't the greatest experience, but um, it wasn't the worst experience either. Um, I also stopped touching my eyes, and and for the most part, I don't rub my eyes because if I do, they actually get really itchy uh, now because like the I guess your 
um, eyelid kind of like if it's not lubricated, uh, it kind of scratches and rubs. So I try not to touch my eyes uh, too much at all, which is probably a good thing from a not getting sick standpoint. But it is one of the things that I used to do back in the day, and now I can't do it. Um, the only So I had to take these drops right after the surgery uh, for like a week or two weeks, something like that. And I had to take like three drops, three different drops, like several times a day. And the one, t- uh, what was it, Pro- Pro- um, Predazone, I think it was. That stuff was nasty. I had to take that for like four four weeks, but it, I declined over time. And and the reason for the Predazone is so your eye doesn't heal too fast, so it doesn't scar. So it's, you know, you, you take like four, you start with like four drops a day, which was like completely nasty. Then you get you start to get a little used to it. Then you go down to three drops a day after a week and then two and then one. Um so yeah, overall, I, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a a terrible experience. It's a, a little bit of you know a little bit of uncomfortableness. Uh, the drops are nasty uh, out of the gate, um, and and overall, like I I do use eye drops. Uh, they they tell me that you know that I'll be using eye drops um, like in a little vial, which is a shame. It sucks because like. The, apparently, if you get the the the, the clear eyes drops, um, if you use that more than once or twice a day, they actually can start to the the preservatives in them can dry your eye out. Worse, like the it doesn't doesn't help. So uh, when I I had to get these like non preservative little vials, um, they're not too expensive, but I I feel bad having so much wasted plastic with these things. So I try to use them you know, for multiple sets of drops, like one, one vial, I'll try to get like, um, both eyes at least twice, maybe three times out of, out of one vial. And, uh, I, I, you know, I keep them lubricated whenever they feel dry, whenever I start to feel red, um, you know, a couple times a day, I'll, I'll, I'll put the drops in. Apparently after a year, I won't have that problem anymore. Now for me, I haven't had the dry eye problem as bad as my wife who just had the, the normal LASIK surgery. Uh, and she, she's using drops like all, all the time, all day. And I mean, we were lucky to get the surgery in the summertime. So it was, you know, a little, it was more humid. We haven't, haven't, we haven't gotten to the winter yet where maybe I'll feel like I need to use the drops a lot more often. Um, my eyesight overall has gotten way better. Uh, when I went to the doctor a week or two ago, uh, my eyesight came out to be, uh, 2015, which is better than 2020. Uh, and I would say for the most part, um, it's, it's still weird not having to grab, 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 grab my glasses, uh, throughout the day. Like I, I still feel like I still look for them or feel like I need them. Or if I grab my sunglasses, uh, I used to, I, well, I used to have pre- prescription sunglasses. So, you know, I'd grab them and I'd have to grab my glasses so I could switch between the two. So it's nice not having to do that anymore. Um, it's nice to be able to just wear sunglasses and not worry about, it. but I have worn sunglasses pretty much all the time going out, uh, cause they say that like my eyes are more sensitive to, to sunlight now than they were prior. Uh, as, uh, and I don't know if that goes away, but I definitely feel like pretty much any time, like if there's any light outside at all, I'm, I'm pretty much wearing sunglasses, uh, every, every time. In fact, I've even found myself when I went to a Phillies game, uh, I was where I ended up wearing sunglasses the entire time because the, the lights are just so bright, uh, you know, at night, um, even with, you know, the, the stadium lights that they have. So, uh, which feels a little weird, but 
I, I don't know. It, it it makes my eyes feel more comfortable and less, I guess, dried out uh, in the short term. So, uh, for as far as like the pricing goes, I think it was like four, was it four thousand dollars? Four thousand dollars for both eyes, uh, and then I had like a discount through my insurance. So, I think it was like thirty three hundred or thirty four hundred or something like that with the discount. Uh, and they gave financing. Uh, I got it done through Kremer LASIK. Uh, they're they're based out of here. They're one of the. Uh, they were like the first or among the first uh, that did LASIK surgery, um, in the country, from my understanding. So yeah, which is they might maybe they all say that I don't know, but uh, but yeah, it was it was overall it was a great experience. Um, I would absolutely recommend it to anybody. Uh, they said that the the youngest you should get it or the oldest or yeah the youngest you should get it is like twenty five just to make sure that your eyes are completely uh, fully grown. Uh, as as I've had actually I've had friends where they. They needed glasses like back in like grade school and high school, and then after they got out of high school, they didn't need glasses anymore because their their eyes actually changed, and then they were they they've been fine ever since. But um, it won't it does not affect my my close distance uh, nearsight or was it farsightedness uh, or yeah being able to read things up close. I probably will need, still need glasses at some point, probably in the next ten years. Uh, which, but that's only for reading, and that's only depending on how much I read and how much everything. But I won't need bifocals, and they came with a uh, uh, a warranty. So basically, as long as I go to the eye doctor when they, you know, for the first year, several like a handful of times in the first year, and then once a year I go and get an eye checkup. Uh, they'll maintain the warranty. So if anything changes with my eyes, they can put me back under the scary, <laughs> under the scary machine uh, to fix them, uh, and and it's it will not be a cost to me. But apparently, they've had almost no no instances of that happening where they've had to do that. I think like well, maybe one or two. But yeah, so uh, I would recommend it if you're, especially if you're like 25, 20, 30. Uh, but if you're in a situation where you're already like in your like late forties, fifties or sixties, probably not, um, probably not going to be that big of a help to you. Uh, but it, you know, it depends. Maybe if you were wearing like thick bifocals or something, you could stop wearing thick bifocals and, and just have to get reading glasses. Um, that would be to me, I, that, that might be depending on where you're at with the money that might be a, you know, and how much reading you're doing on the regular, it might be worth it to you. So yeah, I recommend it. I appreciate you all watching uh, and listening to the entrepreneurs. I see the podcast downloads are going like crazy off, off, you know, uh, through the roof, which is absolutely awesome. Very excited about seeing that. Uh, if you haven't checked out the Super Joe Pardo show on your favorite podcast app, go and do it. Uh, if there's a podcast app that I'm not on, please let me know. I will, uh, I will absolutely get it added there. Uh, and this, uh, this later this week, I will have the preview video for the new shark tank season 13 episode two go live. Once I know what four businesses are going to be on there, I'm, I'm actively looking and searching. Uh, so if you have any leads, please, please let me know. Uh, and yeah, I, I appreciate you and I will see you in the next entrepreneurs tomorrow. Take care, everyone.